DW Africa Link. This is the place to get all the updates from across Africa and beyond. Hello and welcome to DW's Africa Link program. I am Okiri Gushinado. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Welcome on board if you're listening through our partner stations and on our Facebook page, that's DW Africa. You can also spot us on Spotify. That's true. Now coming up on the program, authorities in Malawi are trying to contain the spread of a recent outbreak of cholera. We are actually increasing the amount of boreholes in the areas where we have been affected by cholera, but also spreading it across the country. Hygiene is the main problem that we're facing with regard to the spread of cholera. But it's not any different in neighbouring Zimbabwe, where cholera has been described as a public health threat. Cholera cases are cropping up around us. We now keep oral hydration salts in case we contract the disease. Sewage is flowing, refuse is not being collected. Flies, rodents and mosquitoes are plenty here. This is unbearable. Stick around for those details, but first, let's hear from the World News in brief. DW News. I am Buba Jalo. Pakistani officials say 26 people have been killed and dozens injured in two bomb attacks. The blast rocked political offices in the southwestern provinces of Balochistan. The explosions come on the eve of parliamentary elections. No one has claimed responsibility. The United Nations said on Wednesday that Sudan's warring sides have agreed to meet for talks to discuss aid access. In a press briefing, UN aid chief Martin Griffith said he had been in contact with heads of the two warring factions, Abdel Fattah al-Burhani, and head of the Sudanese, who is head of the Sudanese Armed Forces, and Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo, head of the Rapid Support Forces RSF. Meanwhile, all three main internet providers went offline, which plunged the country into a network blackout. Two sources and the army-aligned state news agency blamed RSF for the blackout. Germany and Nigeria have established a new migrant resource centre on the outskirts of Nigeria's capital, Abuja. German Economic Development Minister Svenja Schulze opened the centre in Ado, Nazrawa State. The centre offers renewed hope for Nigerian youths seeking to take the dangerous journey of irregular migration route through the Sahara Desert and the Atlantic Ocean to Europe. You are listening to Africa Links News on Germany's international public broadcaster, DW. In the Middle East, Hamas has put forward new proposals for a ceasefire and release of hostages as the U.S. Secretary of State presses on with his latest diplomatic tour of the region. Anthony Blinken has met with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in Jerusalem on the last day of his mission. DW's Rebecca Ritas is um, in Jerusalem. Details aren't 100% clear. The Hamas proposal hasn't been made public, but the, from the reports that we're hearing, uh, as you mentioned, uh, it was the, the original framework set out in Paris a little over a week ago was received positively by Hamas, but that they have offered a counter-proposal. They want to see 45 days uh, a ceasefire in a first phase, and that would see the release of the women, children, basically uh, all of the civilians left in Gaza to be released released in exchange for a yet undetermined number of Palestinian prisoners and as well as you mentioned uh, a great deal of aid to be brought into Gaza Strip. 
The Democratic Republic of Congo's Africa Cup of Nations squad has used the global spotlight on them to urge for calm in the troubled eastern region. Their AFCON semi-final match against host Ivory Coast is being played Wednesday amid heavy fighting near the province's main city of Goma. Kinshasa claims it is still in control of the city, but media reports suggest the rebels M23 are close to taking it. According to the United Nations, the conflict has displaced nearly 7 million people. And finally, Russian airstrikes have killed at least two people in the Ukrainian capital Kyiv and another person in the southern city of Mykolaiv. The army says its air defenses shot down 29 missiles and 15 drones. The attack shot down power to some parts of Kyiv. Meanwhile, Ukraine's parliament has backed the first reading of a controversial bill to send more soldiers to the front line. The legislation would lower the conscription age from 27 to 25 and impose tougher punishment for draft dodging. For more information, go to our Facebook page, DW Africa, or our website, dw.com. My name is Buba Jalo. Thanks, Buba Jalo, for the news. You're listening to DW's Africa Link program with me, Eddie Micah Jr. And with Eddie, I'm Okeri Ngushinado. Join the show by dropping your comments on our Facebook page, that is DW Africa. Yeah, usual suspects, David Inchamba, Lambert, Kevin, all tuned in. Looking forward to what we have on the show. Well, let's start with some education because cholera has made it to our top story for today's show. It's a highly contagious bacterial infection spread through contaminated food or water. It spreads even faster in crowded environments where people lack access to clean water and sanitation. Serious cases can cause acute diarrhea and if untreated, Kiki, it could also lead to death. And that's why Malawi is trying to contain the disease as it spreads in parts of southern Africa. Health experts in Malawi are calling on the government to increase financing for water, sanitation and hygiene programs. Chimwemwe Padata reports from Malawi. Since the launch of the Korea campaign in October last year, Malawi's Ministry of Health has continued surveillance on the disease to prevent upsurge of cases, as was the case last year. 58 cases, according to Public Health Institute of Malawi, have so far been registered in the current cholera season that runs from November. In the previous cholera season, close to 59,000 cases were recorded. Ministry of Health spokesperson Adrian Jigumbe highlights some public health interventions being carried out by the government to contain the spread of the disease. We're still having cases here and there, but we're calling it sporadic cases because of the efforts that we're making, some of them being the intensifying of the messages to the people. We are monitoring the situation on both ends. In 2023, we had the worst cholera episode ever, and that taught us a lot and a big lesson. Public health expert Maziko Matemba told DW that cholera is still a threat to Malawi due to several factors that include low access to clean and portable water. Yes, we're talking about cholera, but if it's not well supported in terms of buying commodities and other necessities, I think it will be challenging in terms of containing the cholera outbreak, apart from sharing data between countries. Malawi Ministry of Water and Sanitation, Abidamia, indicates that government has rolled out several interventions in cholera hotspots to increase access to drinkable water 
and improve hygiene. We are actually increasing the amount of boreholes in the areas where we have been affected by cholera, but also spreading it across the country, making sure that people have access to clean water, the toilets, the pit latrines, so they can close so that when they've been used, they're able to close so that flies don't breed and spread diseases. Hygiene is the main problem that we're facing with regard to the spread of cholera. Sadiq heads of state and government during the extraordinary summit on the cholera situation held virtually last week agreed to provide efficient waste management and sustainable supply of clean water. Statistics show that at least 40% of the population in the region has no access to safe water. Chimwemwe Padatha reporting from Malawi. And also now we move on to Zimbabwe where um, cholera is also really affecting the country. It has been described as a public health threat with more than 22,000 people contracting the disease since the first outbreak was reported in February 2023. That's right. Uh, Authorities are blaming the outbreak on poor sanitation and hygiene conditions. Major cities are struggling with you know, old water, water that's been there for such a long time, mm-hmm. uh, poor sanitation, infrastructure, population growth and poor sewage systems, which is worsening their situation. From Harare, TW Correspondent's Privilege Mushanari filed this report. Playing space for these kids in the capital, Harare's densely populated high-field Western Triangle suburb is now restricted. Raw sewer flows in the backyards and streets. Parents are now forced to restrict kids from playing outside fearing they could contract cholera. Tiedza Zulu, a mother of four, says they are living in fear of contracting the disease. We are living in fear. Cholera cases are cropping up around us. We now keep oral hydration salts in case we contract the disease. Sewage is flowing, refuse is not being collected, flies, rodents and mosquitoes are plenty here. This is unbearable. As cholera infections continue to rise, health authorities say case fatality of 1.9% is still higher than the World Health Organization recommended threshold of 1%. Dr. Michael Vere, Harare's epidemiologist, says poor water and sanitation conditions are putting residents at risk. Um, people are not keen, especially on treat- treatment of uh, bore water. People assume that bore water is safe. But however, bores in Harare are not safe. The water is not safe. So we encourage people to treat all water regardless of source. Suspected and confirmed cases have been reported in 61 out of the country's 64 districts. About 153 cholera treatment centers have since been established in the country's 10 provinces. In the past week, Zimbabwe launched a cholera vaccination to slow down infections. Only 2 million out of the 16 million population will be vaccinated in hotspot areas. A global shortage of the cholera vaccine has impacted on the country's ability to vaccinate more people. Douglas Mombeshura, Zimbabwe's health minister, explains. For this campaign, only one dose will be given as opposed to the usual two doses. One dose will protect the individual for at least six months, as opposed to two doses, which has a protection of above three years. The vaccine is not an end to cholera, but a temporary response, which should be complemented with tangible investment in safe water provision. According to a UNICEF report, 
investment into the country's water and sanitation remains weak. Only above 30% of households have access to improved water sources and sanitation. Zimbabwe has recorded 450 deaths in the past year compared to the 4,000 which was recorded in the year 2009. But experts warn that much more needs to be done to further reduce the number of deaths. Realizing the agency, Southern African Development Community SADC leaders agreed at a recent summit to increase investment in water and sanitation infrastructure is the only way to end cholera in the region. Privilege Mushaniri with that report and ending off that sanitation is the only way to actually solve the cholera pro- um, problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, we went to Zimbabwe, we went to Malawi and also Zambia is also battling with the outbreak. Yeah. But we asked on our Facebook page, why are some countries still struggling to provide clean water and proper sanitation for their cit- um, citizens? Yeah, let's jump straight to some of the comments. This from Potiphar Temple saying it's all about the behavioral change of our people. There are too many unplanned settlements. Mm-hmm. Adulai Aliu says terrible a lack of leadership. Mm. Mary W. Smith says having functional water governance framework is what some Africans leaders lack. Yeah, very sad indeed. And we mm. also have here Emmanuel um, Samuel that says the average African country has failed to provide basic necessities like clean water for its citizens. Yeah. Simple reason, lack of political will on the part of leadership. Yeah, I think it's also fair just to reiterate that uh, in, in, in a number of countries, a lot has been done compared mm-hmm. to like, say, five or so more years ago. Uh, things have gotten better, but there's still much more room for improvement. So yeah. just to be clear, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming governments are taking it seriously because it is the right thing to mm-hmm. do. Well, if you just joined us, this is DW's African Link program. It's a top sport for news on the continent and beyond. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And I'm Okeri Gushinada. We're also live on our Facebook page, DW Africa. So head over there and, I mean, share your prediction for tonight's games. Everyone is holding their breaths to see who makes it to the finals. I mean, we have um, Nigeria and South Africa at the top <laughs> of the hour. Mm-hmm. And we will also have our very own Buba Jalo in studio to talk about Afghan. But Eddie, I think... I think we still have a lot more coming up, right? Definitely. Nigeria's federal government has set up a panel to review the salaries and wages of workers as cost of living continue to hurt many in the country. With the massive devaluation of the Naira and the removal of so-called subsidy, the quality of the life of the average Nigerian has gone down considerably. But first, in the east of the Democratic Republic of Congo, the M23 rebellion continues to gain ground in the province of North Kivu. Yeah, several villages and towns are falling into the hands of the rebels who are already setting up a parallel administration. Now, this situation is causing great concern among people. For more on this, here's DW's Zanem Netizaidi. The M23 rebellion are gaining more ground in North Kivu. The conquest of the town of Shasha in Masisi territory has enabled the rebels to cut off all overland supply routes to the provincial capital, Goma. The rebels regularly target the positions of the DRC armed forces and local militias, dislodging them and installing civilian officials. On Tuesday, January 23, 2024, the rebels installed the administration in the conquered areas. In Ruchuru territory, the M23 claims to want to ensure the continuity of public administration by offering a minimum of service to the population. 
in the town of Kiwanja, for example, Julien Katembo, the town chief appointed by the rebellion, has resumed civil registry activities. In a press release, he announced that children can now be registered and engaged couples can contract their civil marriage through her services. The administration has the principle of continuity. In other words, a birth certificate for a newborn child will help the child in the future. And those who want to do civil weddings should come and register with the local administration in accordance with the existing laws. We don't need the government in Kinshasa's authorization in what we are going to do because these are acts recognized by the Congolese laws and we are Congolese. Therefore, we must ensure that they are respected. Some inhabitants of the Richuru territory fear the change brought about by the rebellion. They wonder about the practicality of the new administration, particularly concerning legal acts such as the registration of children or marriage. Will they find the documents to register the population? And when they register the population, how are they going to get legalized? When they are rebels. For Hariri Manakapendo, this move to set up a parallel administration is a mess. He calls on the rebels to negotiate with the Congolese government. We want the M23 to engage with the local population very well and to be honest with us. We don't want them to mistreat us. We want them to negotiate with the authorities that were there before them. The Congolese authorities continue to refuse to negotiate with the M23 rebellion. The Superior Defense Council met on Monday to take urgent measures to halt the advance of the M23 toward the city of Goma, which is now surrounded. Zanem Neti Zaidi with that report. Now. Let's move to Nigeria, where the federal government has set up a panel to review salaries and wages of workers. The purchasing power of the Nigerian worker has drastically reduced and the cost of living is making things even more unbearable. Mm -hmm. And just this week, Eddie, the Nigerian currency, the Naira, has been ranked as one of the worst performing currencies in the world. And this is against the US dollar. Mm -hmm. DW's Ben Adam Shemang files this report from Abuja. President Bola Tinubu had earlier provided for palliative to be given to households to cushion the harsh living conditions. This included workers getting an addition to their normal salary. But the money is a drop of water in the ocean of problems Nigerians are facing. Part of the money was even embezzled by some top government officials who are now being probed. A panel has been set up consisting of government, the private sector and labor leaders. There are huge gaps as some workers receive high salaries and wages while others receive peanuts. This panel is to come out with the minimum salary a Nigerian worker should receive, which for now is as low as 50 euros a month. Mrs. Claire Ohunayo, a Nigerian worker in Abuja, explains why some workers receive higher salaries compared with other workers. Generally now what we hear people say is that there's no middle class again in Nigeria. 
So salary disparity is not odd. It is something that is expected because there are different um, parameters that determine salaries and we cannot all have the same skills, the same um, level of experience, the same type of qualifications, the same capacities, all these factors. We cannot all have the same. So definitely there will be disparity. DW tried to find out the living conditions of workers, especially teachers in Meduguri, Borno State, the epic center of Boko Haram. Audu Garbazali is the chairman of the Nigerian Union of Teachers there. He says transportation, healthcare and housing, among other social amenities, are in short supply. The working condition of the teachers in Maiduguri, actually, they are finding it very, very difficult because of this high cost of living. So, actually, teachers are finding it very, very difficult. Accommodation, also, the problem is there. Houses have become very exorbitant. In fact, the price of also have skyrocketing. A bag of rice will also buy now at the cost of 50,000 and all this. So, actually, things are very, very difficult. Very, very difficult indeed. Hardly can your salary take you for a month. During the insurgency, we have lost about 200 teachers. Geoffrey Okeke, a chartered accountant, is advising labor and the government to ensure negotiations are fruitful because the economy of Nigeria is not buoyant for now. Nigeria is a country that is based on consumption economy. Many industries are closing down. The only source of revenue to the country is from taxes and from customs and excise duties. The revenue from oil is mortgaged to debt servicing. And how will the economy grow under those circumstances? So while the labor is asking for a living wage, they should also consider the government revenue and the source of funding the wage so that they can strike a balance with the government. Benson Ukwa is the spokesman for the Nigerian Labor Congress and has stated the need to save the Nigerian workers. With the massive devaluation of the Naira and the removal of so-called subsidy, and the quality of the life of the average Nigerian has gone down considerably. The cost of everything has gone up from food items, rent, school fees, tariffs, water, electricity, everything, transport. Our concern should not even be why government has agreed for a wage review. Our concern should be how far can it go, given the depth of poverty at the moment. These are the difficult living conditions in which the Nigerian worker, especially the very low-income earners, live in. Workers in banks, sea and airports, and top government officials live in affluence where the salary of a junior workers cannot last in this harsh environment. Ben Shemang with that report from Abuja, Nigeria. Yeah, so the question is, how much faith do you have in the panel debating the workers' pay hike? And what do you predict to be the outcome? That is what we asked on our Facebook page, DW Africa, with some interesting comments coming through, starting mm-hmm. with this one from <laughs> Ginta Davidson, who says, there's an issue here. Who set up the panel? Is the panel comprised of Nigerian trade unions and syndicates? If it ends with the politicians, it's certain that they seldom wear the shoe of the common man. The politicians are always for their stomachs, he adds. Yeah, Jid uh, Tomiwa says the country should be restructured, I think, a whole restructuring of Nigeria. Eesh. This is, a, this is a shade. This is a strong shade. Yeah, very much. Yeah. <laughs> Abba Sufiok Adam says, a fake government with your fake promises. Clearly a lot of people concerned. Uh, it's, it's a big issue. I mean, it's not just Nigeria. Ghana, we've had high uh, inflation for yes. a while. Um, cost of living is definitely high. Um, and it's across uh, many countries. And often, as the, the rest of the world also faced a bit of a pinch of it, right? But uh, mm-hmm. some governments are handling it better than others. Yeah, and, and what, some are yeah. trying by setting yeah. up a panel to at least give, um, <laughs> I mean, the normal paying guy a little extra money yeah. to take home that can at least cushion it a little bit yeah. if it can help. Yeah.
yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll be keeping tabs on that particular story. Let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Africa Link. Sport. Ooh, I'm sure you're waiting for this one because it's all about the <laughs> Africa Cup of Nations, isn't it? Three-time African champions Nigeria will rekindle their continental rivalry with South Africa in a highly anticipated semi-final at AFCON tonight. Yeah, that's tonight. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like a few, what, 30 more minutes to yep. go. And South Africa has only won one tournament. And I think they are desperate for this win. Just like Afghan host Ivory Coast, who will also play against DR Congo tonight. Yeah, yeah. Ivory Coast is uh, rebounding from a painful group stage, which saw them literally crawling into the round of 16. But interim coach MS Faye says they are ready for tonight's showdown. Take a listen. We have analyzed our two match stats, and even if the result was positive for us in the end, we are really keen to start the match well and, if possible, not to react after the first conceded goal. The message is simple. We need to play on the confidence we have regained with these two successes and to impose our style of play, impose our rhythm, and try to take the control of the match from the beginning. That is Ivory Coast interim coach Emers Faye. I mean, to talk more about tonight's game, we have Buba Jallo. I mean, Buba, hi. How are you doing? Are you ready for Afcon chat? Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to begin, host country Ivory Coast um, has shown that miracles exist. I mean, from the group stage, they have amazed us with their great feats and luck. But I mean, I'm wondering, will their luck run out tonight? I I doubt that. I, I don't think that their luck will run out, but I don't think in football there is much luck. There is mm-hmm. more more about planning, more about knowing what you're doing, and uh, rather than uh, relying on luck. You you see what Emas Faye has done. His style of play, he's focused on really fast-paced football and dominant football, mm. unlike his predecessor, who was more focused on possession football and tactical football. And in African football, you know, you have to be a bit more physical. Mm. And this is what Emma Faye has done, different from what others. And that momentum and the fact that they are also host country, so it's giving them the boost, mm. the enthusiasm to actually push forward and beat, you know, major teams. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget the fact that they also, they also have uh, the fans. I mean, it's the, they are the host mm-hmm. nation. That, 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 so that well. plays a role, right? But I mean, you, uh, you can also, you can rely on, uh, on having such tactic that he's played. Mm-hmm. If you have players in, in, in the likes of uh, Serge Aurier and even Indica on your defence, then you can push forward. And even in the midfield there, you also have like, you know, Frank Kessier. Frank Kessier, he's super experienced. He, if you have those guys in your mm. team, you can risk pushing, playing fast football. Okay. But I mean, if you don't have much experienced players, then it's a bit difficult. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Well, you know, uh, both South Africa and Nigeria are previous African winners and, and they won this cup for their countries. And of course, for the bragging rights, right? You know, to go home with a trophy is always a big deal. Mm-hmm. But we've seen caution in South Africa. Edging Nigeria fans not to celebrate too loudly. I found it quite strange. Yeah, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, this this is a lot more about football. It's, it's go beyond, goes beyond exactly, football, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's always been this sort of rivalry between South Africa and Nigeria yeah. in the African continent. And uh, you know, we all know Nigeria has the biggest African economy, and South Africa's second largest African economy. And then you know, the Grammys came. 
and Tyler won it <laughs> in the category that was dominated by Nigerian musicians. And so uh, as a result, uh, South Africans are saying, you know, they have the bragging rights now. And this is the third phase of this bragging rights. So we'll see if South Africa wins this one, then it's a bad one for Nigeria. I mean, South African, um, the, bo- um, the boss, uh, the coach, Hugo Bruce, says that he believes that his team will reach the AFCON final. I mean... Are they all kind of just talking in confidence at this point? <laughs> I, <laughs> and I don't think fans back home. I, I think they were being very cautious when they started this game, mm-hmm. even though now it now it, it it all came out clearly that Bafana Bafana had a plan. This plan was very much put in place. You know, you have a team that have nine players from one team. Mamelodi Sundowns mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. nine players on this team. These are guys who play with each other on a daily basis. They know each other. So that was a very strategic decision mm-hmm. to have them under, you know, understand their play. If you, if you watch that game when they played against Namibia, Namibia pressed so hard against them. Mm-hmm. If, if there was a team that didn't know themselves properly, they would have created so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. But you saw that they, they, they had pretty much no loophole in that game. Okay. And so every mistake Namibia made, they were able to contact and score a goal. Okay, we will see. <laughs> anyway, starting one in 30 minutes. Uh, Nigeria, South Africa. I'm going to push you a bit, Buba, to the wall, make a prediction. Nigeria, South Africa, how's it going to go? Prediction, 1-0, nil, 2-0? Nil. That's a bit difficult. I, to be honest, I would give it over to Nigeria because mm. they are pretty determined. Victor Osimhen, if you see the way he plays, mm. I see he plays, so he plays for Napoli, mm. but the way he plays for Super Eagles, that is sort of motivation I hardly see in football. Even all the Nigerian stars, the way they played, there's just too much determination in there. Okay. That's, uh, what's, your, what's your prediction, Eddie? I, uh, I need to know that. <laughs> yeah, Ghana is out, so uh, Nigeria is out. So, Nigeria, so I'll, I feel like I'll, I'll, still, I'll, I'll give it to Nigeria. I kind of yeah. want our, our neighboring country, Nigeria, to, to, to go quite far. But uh, I'm also interested in your prediction for Ivory Coast TLC. What do you think? I think Ivory Coast. Just to kind of yeah. see the underdogs or the host country no, kind of winners. No, that should go to the Congo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how it goes tonight. We will see. We will see how it goes. I think if we keep on with this debate, we're going to go until tomorrow. But let's wait for the games and see how the results go. Thanks a lot for joining us, Buba, for sports and news. And uh, yeah, I am Eddie Michael Jr. And this has been Okering Gushinado. Until tomorrow. DW. Mid for Minds.